You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. I'm your host, Jackie Koch, and today we have a guest who is going to give you so many productivity hacks, and I'm so excited for her to join us today. Her name is Brittany Dixon, and Brittany helps entrepreneurs build businesses without burnout by creating minimalist business and productivity systems to do more in less time. And let me tell you, we talk all about that on the episode today. She organizes routines, time management, and tech to work better for you as an entrepreneur. She's a former event planner and professional home organizer, and is now the Marie Kondo for businesses. Oh my gosh. I don't know if you've read or watched Marie Kondo and started unfolding that way. It's amazing. So bringing that into your digital life will change your life. She's the CEO of Brittany & Co. And she uses her organizational skills to help business owners simplify to amplify their income, impact, and influence. When she's not helping business owners, she's raising her twins, Kenna and Layla, with her husband, Stephen. They love to camp, learning the art of wine and cheese. So we talk all about how to set up tools, how to help you as an entrepreneur design your day, and then roll that out to your team so that everybody is working intentionally and there's accountability. So let's dive in with Brittany. Hey, Brittany, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us today and sharing some of your expert knowledge. The listeners are in for a treat. So welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to dive in. Yes. So I always want to start out with sharing a little bit about how you got to this entrepreneurship journey. I feel like there's always a story. Not everyone starts out as an entrepreneur, and I love the story about how we become it. I think it's just so relatable to listeners. So can you start with sharing a little bit about your background? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm actually an accidental entrepreneur, never in my wildest dreams did I think this would be a thing. I actually grew up really, really poor, the whole nine yards. I was like, oh, I'm going to work in corporate, like the American dream, do all the things. So I was in the wedding and event planning space at first because I am just like this detail-oriented planner. I loved events. I was like, oh, that sounds like a really good kind of segue into that. So I did that for a while, ended up hating weddings. It's people management instead of like the stuff in the back background that I wanted to do. It was like managing personalities. And I'm like, okay, no, this and nights and weekends, right? I'm like, nope, yeah. don't want this. <laughs> so I moved into a uh, corporate event planning job, which was more like catering based and kind of corporate events. It was Monday through Friday, much more my style, but still very like fast paced. And I actually ended up getting let go from there because I did not fit into their corporate box. They were a very old school corporate company, new things that we brought to the table. They're like, oh no, we've never done that before. And I'm like, yeah, but you've never had these goals before. So we're going to try some new things. Didn't love that. So they ended up firing me and blessing in disguise because I ended up jumping in and starting a business. So I'd kind of started it previously. I was going to do it as a side hustle and organize houses. So kind of the whole Marie Kondo thing, side hustle, twins working full time, like it never took off. Right. So it really took getting fired to jump into it. And I organized houses for about eight months. And then I realized I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing running a business. Like, this is not my jam. What do I do? How do I get clients? And ended up searching for some business coaches. And while I did that, I kind of like fell into this online business and coaching space. And my coach that I had hired, she's like, oh my gosh, you could totally, you've organized events, you've organized houses. Like, why don't you just do this for businesses? And I'm like, oh, light bulb moment. 
So kind of dove into productivity coaching at first and then really just realized that systems and organization and structure and processes was kind of that holdup point for so many entrepreneurs because most people don't start a business to run a business. They start it because they're good at something, but all of this Mm -hmm. other stuff has to happen. So that's kind of how Brittany and Co. came about. And then we started a podcast to reach even more people, group coaching programs, one-on-one consulting, and, and kind of the whole nine yards. But really, our mission is to help people work smarter, not harder, and work less because we start businesses for freedom most of the time. And then most of us work more than a nine to five job. So we're trying to get entrepreneurs out of that hamster wheel. Totally. And as much as you might like the work, you know, like there's times I feel like where I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel like work. I just worked a 12 hour day and and that's fine. But I definitely don't want that every single day. You're right. I started my business for freedom and I'm still figuring that out a hundred percent. Oh my gosh. I have a question that is not related to the topic I want to ask you. So I'm going to ask you anyways, and then we'll, we'll get back to the productivity space. So I'm so curious, did you have imposter syndrome at all? Oh, 1000%. Yeah. Yeah. You started a business helping people organize their business in a moment where you felt like you didn't even know what the hell you're doing. So how did you get over that? Oh, yeah, that's still something that comes up every time I kind of level up into different spaces too. So there was one kind of book that was the defining moment of like, oh, I can totally monetize this, right? So it's called Ordinary Superpowers. And for me, organizing came easy, right? Like I was just like, oh, I can just do this. I can look at the mess. I can reshuffle things. I can put things where they make sense. Like that's just how my brain worked. I was that weird 16-year-old with like color-coded binders and labels. My friends are like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) I've just always been like that. So this book, Ordinary Superpowers by Mark Henson, basically says the whole premise of it is that the thing that comes supernatural to you does not come natural to everyone. So kind of reading through that, I was like, oh, light bulb moment. I can totally monetize this. And I'm exchanging my services. They're giving me money. It's a really good kind of energy exchange, right? So that helped a little bit. But I mean, it's just a lot of mindset work. Honestly, everybody is like strategy and I need more leads and tell me what to do next. And how do I do this? And If everyone just works on their mindset on a daily basis, that stuff will come. It's the mindset stuff that's the hardest. So just recently, I started therapy because I'm like in a different level in my business, like leveling up and a lot of stuff came up. But it's really just like knowing the why and just grinding through it. So a lot of personal development books, a lot of mindset work, therapy, coaching, like there's a lot of stuff that went into it for sure. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I often really good at meeting people. I'm good at talking to people. Sometimes it's like, I find like what you're naturally good at and you never had to learn can be hard to teach sometimes. Because you're just so in it. Yeah. I have found that while I'm teaching systems, I just like fly through things quickly. And then people are like, wait, I need you to go back to step one. I'm like, no, you need to be on step five. You're like, what do you mean? You didn't understand that? Like that was so easy. <laughs> And I think that's what held me back too, because even with what I do with like my higher end consulting clients, like a lot of it comes back to just the time management, calendar management, and just like your digital workspace. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I had that down like seven years ago. Like, where are you at? So I've definitely run into those challenges and had to like pull myself back and like, okay, 
it doesn't come natural to them. Like we've got to teach this slower. We've got to start from step one, like baby steps. We can't just like dive into this crazy software. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. I got back from vacation because I was, you know, just on a trip and I, I have so many inboxes because I recruit on behalf of clients. So a lot of times I have like an email address with them and my inboxes were at like probably only 11 unread messages, but like 80 in there. And I was like, I cannot handle this. And so like the first day back, I was like, okay, they're back down to five in each inbox. And my boyfriend's like, you only have five emails in your inboxes. I'm like, you don't? Oh yeah. No, people think I'm insane. Like I have like 10 to 15 max. If I have more than 15, I'm like, what is happening right now? (laughs) Totally. I'm like, I can't. But I don't think people realize how big of an, it's such a small thing, right? Like this digital clutter, the email, the calendar, like it's such a small thing that you're like, oh, I'm just doing it. It's fine, but there's better ways to do it. And it sucks up so much time. There's actually a stat out there. I think it was the International Data Corporation or something, but they basically said in the year 2022, anybody that is a knowledge worker, which let's be real is everyone, basically spends 12 and a half hours a week searching for information. That's going to be like phone numbers and emails and Zoom links and bio and headshots and color code, like all this stuff that we're searching for because we don't have good structures and systems in place to find things. We're wasting 12 and a half hours a week. And I would argue that online businesses probably waste more because they've got four different Chrome windows with 37 tabs open each. And they can't even log in with passwords because they don't have a way to manage passwords kind of thing. So it's massive. It is a massive problem with this digital age for sure. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Well, that is a great segue because you're a productivity expert. Where do you think entrepreneurs go wrong? Like, is there a common thread of like what they do wrong? Or is it kind of, there's a few main buckets, I guess. Where do you see the most struggles? Yeah. I mean, going back again, you didn't start a business to run a business. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs just dive in head first. We're figuring all the things out and we're just kind of winging it, which you do have to do to some degree. But at some point you have got to step back to that 30,000 foot view and say, okay, what's working? What's not working? How can we restructure this? How can we clean this up? How can we make this more streamlined? So I think a lot of times people just, they're not thinking in systems because they're so stuck in it that they'll stay stuck in it if they don't kind of flip that mindset switch. So I think that's a big piece is like just that we are going, we're going, going, going. We have all these ideas. We have all this information coming in that it's just really hard for entrepreneurs to like stop look back, see what's working, kind of streamline things. So just the like being busy, especially in the first part of entrepreneurship. But a lot of it too is just coming back to time management, the calendar. Because if you do not control your calendar, it will 1000% control you. I see so many entrepreneurs, they won't block out time for admin. They won't block out time for marketing. They're not blocking out time for life and things they have to do in life. And then they let it fill in with their automatic schedulers if we've made it that far. And you still have to do the other stuff that you didn't block out time for. And that's where I see people getting stuck Mm. in the hustle. And they're like, well, I had a full day of meetings, but I still have to do admin work. I had a full day of meetings, but I still have to do client work. I had a full day of meetings, but now I have to record or do this or do that. Like it just starts adding up so quickly. And what I see on the hiring side of this is at those moments, they're like, I need to hire an assistant. Yes. And that is terrible. That is not what you need to do at all. Do you find that as well? 
Oh, 100%. They get to that point that they're so overwhelmed that they're like, hiring somebody has to be the answer. And it's really not. I've had a couple of clients, they're like, oh, I've been through like six virtual assistants. I'm like, all right, we're going to slow down. Common thread is you. So there may be some things we need to address before we hire someone else. So a lot of it, I tell people they really need to hire someone like me to come in and set those things up before the assistant comes in to set that person up for success and to really make sure they have streamlined processes before you're delegating it out. Because what if we could automate something that you're paying this person for? What if we could delete it? Like what if it's not even needed because it's like an extra process or an extra software? Mm -hmm. You're paying for all of these things and they might not even be needed. So I actually have a whole process that I take people through and we really optimize stuff before we automate and document it to delegate it because a lot of times you can cut out stuff that you're paying your assistant for. But I see it all the time. They're like, I'm so busy. I need to hire someone. And that's almost the worst time to hire a person because then it's just even more chaos. A hundred percent. I agree with you so much. I think so many of the softwares that are out there can do so much. It's like they can do anything you want, but if you don't know how to set them up to do what you need, it's pointless. I mean, even me, myself, I have that same problem. Like I finally hired someone to help me set up Asana boards to help support my business and her doing that. I'm like, holy crap, I don't need an assistant for a very long time. Like this is great. Thousand percent. But I didn't know because it was so possible to do anything that I just didn't do anything because I didn't even know what was possible. And that's the thing I hear all the time. Honestly, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, I don't know what I don't know, I would be a millionaire because you don't. Again, you didn't start this business to run this business. You started it because you're good at something and you mm -hmm. knew you could monetize it and you knew you could help people, right? So that's one of my biggest things I do with people is I see people switching software. They're like, ooh, I'm in Asana, but now ClickUp has all these fancy things. Like, I'm going to go over there. First off, tool switching is one of the biggest productivity killers because you're going to lose so much time in switching. You're going to lose information. You've got to retrain your team. Member. Like, it's a whole process, uh, which it has to happen sometimes, but it needs to be, like, very strategically thought out. But if you don't have a system that you're using inside of the tool – the tool is not going to help you. So if you're not using it consistently, if it's not streamlined, if you don't have a workflow or a process, it doesn't matter which one you use, none of them are going to help. So that's the first thing people ask. They're like, which tool should I use? And I'm like, I don't know. What's your goal? What's your system? What's your process? They're like, well, I'll have that. And I'm like, then we don't need to be talking about tools yet. <laughs> but I think people think that those are like magic fixes. They're like, oh, if I just set this up, it'll work and everything will be great. One of the things that I think is such an advantage to you as listeners, if you're a small business, especially a digital business, and you're setting up these tools well, if it's done well, it is such a perk to an employee coming to work for you because these big corporations have shit for these things. Yeah. Like it's terrible. The struggle to get anything done, the lack of autonomous workflows is like not there. And so if you can get this done well, you can set up a world where your team feels like they have ownership of their work and you're not micromanaging them. It's just such an amazing perk and benefit to you as a small business that you have over these larger companies that I think is so overlooked. Yeah. And I've seen that tremendously within my team. My team does not email me. 
if they email me, I'm like, oh goodness, what's wrong? All of our communication happens within Asana. All of their tasks are assigned to them in Asana. If they have questions, all of that happens there. I can see them checking it off and I don't have to say, hey, did you do that? Did you do that? Did you do that? Like, I don't have to micromanage. And then if they have things that they're working on or have questions or like, hey, I found this thing. I want to do this. Can we dive into it? They can do that there. And like you said, it makes them feel more ownership over what they're doing and not like I'm constantly picking and like, hey, did you finish this? Where are we at? And it takes off so much stress for me as a business owner Mm -hmm. that I don't have to micromanage and I can see them checking things off but I don't physically have to ask them a thousand times. So I've seen that in my own team and my clients' teams that I've set this up for. It's a tremendous advantage for sure. Yeah. You mean you're not texting them every time you have an idea about something and expecting them to execute on it? No, no. We actually have a whole idea section within our Asana project. And we do communicate via Voxer because it is easier to kind of voice things out. But they know and I know that if a task is assigned within Voxer and it's not put into Asana, it will not happen. So it's really just for communication. And if I, even if I voice something and I'm like, hey, I need you to do A, B, and C, they know that they need to go put that into Asana so that we can see that. So it's just setting up those boundaries and setting up the structure and the communication. But I think so many business owners just get so stuck in the day-to-day and they don't manage their time well that it's really hard to even think about spending an hour setting up systems. I know. It's crazy. So moving into a topic that entrepreneurs want to hear about is an ideal state is designing your day. And working less. And so many studies show that working four hours is way more productive than working eight hours and and stuff like that. Now, it's not always reality in some businesses, but for me personally, I've been starting to design my day a little bit, but it does kind of take over, right? So where should an entrepreneur start? When you're coaching someone in how to design their day, where do you tell them to start? What are some of the things they should do? It really comes down to goals. And what you want, because that's, we're using our time to achieve those goals, right? Whether that's in business, life, whatever that looks like. We actually have the six F's. So we have family, financial, fun, fulfillment, fitness, and friends and relationships, right? So Mm -hmm. these are kind of the core areas everyone's got. We all have goals kind of within those areas as well. So I really tell them to do like a massive brain dump within those six categories of what things they want. So for example, for me during the family section, one of the things that's huge for us is we play board games on a weekly basis. We've got like 90 board games. It's absolutely crazy. Oh my God, but that's it's amazing. one of our favorite things ever. <laughs> and we notice that we, we play them a lot more in the winter because I'm in Ohio. So like there's literally nothing else to do. But we noticed that we weren't doing it very consistently and it wasn't on the calendar, right? So this was one of our goals that we had, but we were never executing it. We were like, oh, we'll get to that next week. We'll do that next week. And it just never happened. So it's really brain dumping things that you want to do in those different areas and then putting it on the calendar. (laughs) Like it has to go there. If you want to do workouts, it's got to go on the calendar. If you want to do game nights with family, camping trips, business trips, conferences, personal development, this stuff has to be thought out or it will just live on a to-do list forever. So the first step really is just brain dumping. Like what are your goals in that area? And then how can we start mapping out time throughout your week and building your ideal week with those different things incorporated? 
well, good. That makes me feel like I'm on the yeah. right track. <laughs> yeah. And so, okay. So perfect example. Last year, I wanted to take off Fridays. I was like, I want this like four day work week, three day weekend that everyone dreams about. It's amazing. Right. So I kept saying that I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to take Friday off this week. Going to take Friday off this week. Inevitably, someone scheduled, something came up. I had to put something on the calendar. I had to take a meeting. I had to do a, like whatever it is. Right. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take control of this. I'm going to block out Friday the entire day for the entire next year, right? I was planning last year, mapped out every single Friday, and now I have control over that. Do I take every Friday off? No, absolutely not. Do I have the capability to? Absolutely, if I don't put something there. But until I took control of that space and blocked it so that no one could get there unless I put them there, people are just going to continue to schedule. Things were just going to keep coming up. And I think that's really just if people could just control their calendars more efficiently, they would be so much less stressed and so much less burnt out. But if you're not thinking about all these different categories and blocking out time for lunch and blocking out time for family and blocking out time for self-care, your calendar is just going to fill up and these things are just going to keep going to the bottom of the list for sure. For sure. So then as you're thinking about doing this yourself, I think dream state then would be, okay, how do I, if you're a good boss and you want to be a good leader, I imagine you then want to roll this out to your team. You want to help them design their day. Again, it depends on the business you run. If your team can work, like if, if you have a coffee shop, yeah, <laughs> some, your team members have to be there to open up yep. the store, right? But let's assume that people listening have knowledge worker or digital workers that can do that. Do you roll this out with your team? It's definitely something I encourage with them. Obviously, they're most most of my people are 1099 contractors, so I don't really have control over their schedule. Right. But at the same time, I love teaching these principles and telling them like, hey, this is what gives you the flexibility to do this is if you're blocking this stuff out on your calendar. So it's definitely something I teach. They definitely see with me even like they know that I'm off on Fridays, so they don't typically send messages. They know that I'm off after 4 p.m., so they typically don't send messages. So it's it's really setting the boundaries and the example, and then they kind of follow because they see how great it is. <laughs> I mean, think if you have employees that you can actually dictate their schedule, it's definitely something that once you've mastered it and kind of figured out what works for the business, that is definitely something that you're going to want to roll out to the team because then it just brings everybody together. They don't see you as the boss that's like got all this freedom, but yet they're working crazy hours. Like they seem more equal with you. So it's definitely something I've rolled out with my team kind of in a different way, just because I don't have control over that, but it has shown tremendous results for sure. Well, and they already are kind of doing it if they're 10, if they're 1099 contractors, they're kind of already in that mindset anyways, which a lot of the folks listening to the show probably are in the same position where they have a lot of 1099s. We already kind of alluded to this, but I think one of the biggest fears for entrepreneurs as they're starting to allow their team to dictate their work hours or just in general, having people work for them is accountability. How do I make sure that my team members are doing what I'm paying them to do? I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to let you answer for them. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think first it starts with that onboarding of the team member, right? When I onboard a team member, we go through an entire one hour call just over like mission, vision, values, like goals of the company, like 
really setting the stage to make sure that they feel really integrated with that. Then we have a whole other call where it's like, okay, here's the tech we use. Here's here's the systems, the training, all these different things. So I think that starts from the beginning is really getting them involved with the whole company process. But then for us, it's a tool like Asana, right? Again, the tool doesn't necessarily matter, but some sort of project task team management type of tool, because then you can set those goals, set those boundaries, say what the job description is, what those duties are. But then the Asana piece of it is the day-to-day. So you're able to see what they're checking off. You're able to assign them things. You're able to see if they have overdue tasks and say, hey, just want to update on this. So a tool like that really is built in accountability because you're laying out the expectations, you're laying out due dates, and then they're essentially checking that off and telling you that they've completed that. And obviously at the beginning too, you want to make sure you have people you can trust and like go through that whole process so that that piece of it's that much easier, the accountability side of it. But yeah, some sort of tool that you can lay out expectations and then see as things are getting completed. And for us, Asana has been tremendous. Like it has worked so well. I don't have team meetings like ever. We typically do like a quarterly or like a yearly planning meeting. But after like we don't have weekly meetings, I don't spend time like, hey, this is what we're working on because it's all inside of there. So the time savings alone from that is tremendous. And do you have people working like across time zones? I do. Yeah. Um, So I've got somebody. Yeah, I think we're all across the United States. We've got three different time zones. Yeah. So we've had to obviously kind of adjust communication hours for each person to obviously fit within their like nine to four time frame. Again, that's all of the stuff setting that up ahead of time and having these systems lets you be proactive with that as well, because you know, due dates are coming up. So if you've got questions about something due tomorrow, you can ask today during the time zone instead of having to wait for the next day. So it's a lot of just proactiveness when you've got accountability and systems like this, where you're not having to like, oh crap, this is due tomorrow. And like my VA is three hours behind and like, you don't even have to worry about that because you've got those structures in place. Amazing. Well, you've provided so much value and so much great insights to, I feel like I could talk to you forever. I would love to have you back on the show. So I'm going to offer an opinion. This isn't a question, but opinion to listeners is like, if you're listening to the show and you're overwhelmed and you're like, I need to hire an assistant. Cause everyone's like, I need to hire an assistant. I need to hire someone. I need to hire someone. No, you don't. You need to hire someone like Brittany who can help you set up your systems and get yourself ready so that you feel like you know how to manage a person you hire. And I would be willing to bet that once you get systems set up, you will hire somebody entirely different than you thought you needed. You may not even need to hire someone for a long time. And so please, please, please take that advice because hiring assistant, especially if you've gone through five, even if you need a personal assistant, I mean, that might be a little bit different, but I think a lot of that can be solved with automation. So that is just, I just can't like, I want to scream that from the rooftops because (laughs) an assistant is not the first hire you should make. So all of that being said, How can listeners follow you, learn from you, work with you? Can you share that information with us? Because I'm sure they're going to be like running to their computers wanting to do that. Yeah. So um, our website is just bcohq.co. So we've kind of got everything our digital footprint there. Um, Kind of the two biggest ways is that one-on-one side where I can come in. We actually do VIP intensives where we strategize, we implement and set up systems or clean up systems, 
and then I train you and your team and kind of send you on your way. Uh, that could be like a project management tool, a CRM system, just general processes in general. So that's kind of the, the one-on-one side. And then if you're looking just for accountability and like somebody to help you get these things done, we have a um, co-working and accountability membership called Productivity on Purpose because I see too many entrepreneurs learning and not implementing. And we really help make sure that you're implementing on that side of things. So you can find information about all of that on bcohq.co. Well, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today. I am going to read that book, Ordinary Superpowers. I think it's going to make me feel so much more confident and definitely going to check out some of the other stuff you put out there and follow her on Instagram, you guys, like so much great stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. And listeners, we will chat with you again very soon. So thanks for tuning in. Speaking of the power of people, I'd be honored to read your written review of this show. If you enjoyed what you heard and have suggestions on how to make this show more impactful, please show your support by taking a few minutes to let me know what you think. See you next time.